Oh, let's clap our hands unto the Lord, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a high praise. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grab your neighbor by the hand right now. I'm beginning to pray. Come on all over this building. The Holy Ghost is fixing the move. It doesn't matter what you came in here with. You don't have to leave here the same way that you came. Hey, this is my day. This is my day. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just pray a moment longer. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you to touch your neighbor and say, today's your day. And look at him again and say, it's my day too. I just come believing somebody's going to leave change by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 You got to believe with me today. If God can use anybody, he can use me. God wants to use you more than you want to be used. I've never seen a sinner God couldn't forgive, but I've seen a lot of them that couldn't forgive themselves. We got to believe today that this book is true and that when God forgives us of our sins, he casts them as far as the east is from the west. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Great to be with you today as you turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Verse number 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse number 9, also join in with this church and honoring the leadership of this church. I know that you love them. I know that they uh, have played such a huge part in each person's life and uh, mine as well. It was January 28th when I rode on this parking lot for the first time, 2012. That was a, about five, five to 700 gray hairs ago. But I'm glad I'm not the only one that's grayed and... 11 years but this church represents so much in my family and I, we got so many great stories from staying in that parking lot in, uh, in that RV and uh, just many many times that God has spoken to my heart in this church I don't know if there's still the upstairs is that all gone that it's still there I'd go up there and I had many 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 times with the Lord in that little upstairs room uh, when when I would come and pray during the day 
And so this church represents so much in our life, and I honor you, your leadership in this church. Amen. Verse number 13, it says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Amen. First Peter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation, peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now, somebody say now, the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now, somebody say now, have obtained mercy. I want to preach a little while from this thought. Crooked sticks draw straight lines. Crooked sticks draw straight lines. Could you lift your hands to heaven one more time as we ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we stand in desperate need of your touch, asking for the Holy Ghost to speak expressly and plainly to the church. Let the Spirit of God minister as you reach for every person under the sound of my voice, for you are calling them today higher than they've ever been before. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. In Jesus' name, can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Crooked sticks draw straight lines. As time draws closer, every second that we live, we are inching closer to the coming of the Lord. I am of the firm belief and opinion that if the world is going to be the world, then the church has to be the church. The the world does not apologize for being the world. Neither should the church feel bad or hang its head or apologize for being the church. God said, I'm going to give you power. And when you get this power, you are going to be strong and do exploits. He said, you are going to be endued with the supernatural ability to walk in authority. To, to demonstrate what I have done myself for so long. And he said, ye are going to be witnesses of me. You're going to be a display of who I am. He says, greater works than these will ye do also. Now I want to ask you this morning, what is greater than opening blinded eyes? Nothing. What is greater than raising someone from the dead? Nothing. What is, what is greater than multiplying the five loaves and two fishes and, and on and on and on we can go. But when Jesus said greater, that word was not referring to the quality of miracles, but the quantity of miracles. Because he said, I am one being, and I am doing what you are seeing. But when I put my power in millions of people, and they spread around the world, it's going to multiply upon multiply the miracles that happen around the world. My friend, when God saved you, he didn't say, 
save you to take up space on a pew. But when God saved you, it was with the intent and purpose of you being the church every day of the week, everywhere that you go, you are the church. Touch your neighbor and say, you are the church. But I have noticed a crippling effect that is hindering so many churches because the church is not an institution. The church is a body. Oh, you're in a building, but the build, the church is not the building. The church is the body. And this thought is crippling so many people and hindering them from becoming who God has purposed and designed them to be. And that is people that feel unworthy. People that are battling condemnation. People that are feeling inferior to the calling of God placed upon them. And so they battle in their mind between who God designed them to be and who they think they are. And they wake up every day looking at themselves in a mirror, feeling, how can I ever be what my heart desires to be? How can I ever overcome my past and my failures and my flaws? And people live with a battle raging within. Because if Satan can't take your eyes off God's power, he'll put your eyes on your flaws. If he can't get you tripped up thinking about whether or not God can do it, he'll start questioning whether or not you can do it. Because you start looking at everything. You start analyzing your past. You start analyzing your mistakes. Listen to me when I tell you, everybody in this building is a card-carrying member of the Stupid Choices Club. We've all done things that we thought was ignorant. We've all made decisions. I heard a thing one time. This, uh, this, this lady said, my, my, my therapist told me to embrace my problem, so I hugged my husband. We've all done things that we wish we wouldn't have done. We've all made decisions that were not in our best favor. But can I just remind you today, God didn't die for you when you were at your best, but God died for you when you were at your worst. Because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God didn't die for you when you had your act together. God died for you before you even knew what your act was, my friend. you got to realize God loves you no matter what. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands right now. Just a little more monitor, brother, if I could. There's something to be said about the mercy of God. I cannot adequately express what mercy means to each person here today because every life is different. Every path is different. Every failure is personal. But I can say this, that none of us would be here if it weren't for the mercy of God. Word of God paints a portrait, a most accurate portrait of the relationship between God and man. In Titus chapter 3 verse 3, 
It says, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish. We can stop right there and that subs up humanity. But it keeps going. Disobedient. Deceived. Serving divers' lust and pleasures. I've just, I've nailed humanity right here. Serving divers' lust and living in malice and envy. Hateful and hating one another. But after that, after God saw all of humanity's flaws, in other words, nothing caught him off guard. Nothing, he, he didn't show up and go, well, I didn't realize it was this bad. It says after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, uh, but according to his mercy, he saved us uh, by the washing of regeneration uh, and the renewing uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, nothing in your life caught God off guard, uh, but he said, in spite of all of your flaws, I'm still coming to save you. Paul reiterates this sentiment when, when he was reminding the church of their past state. He said, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When we consider the frail, feeble, flawed state of humanity, and we put it up against the flawless, perfect nature of our Lord. We can join the psalmist when he asked the question, What is man that thou art mindful of him? We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve a second chance and we surely don't deserve eternity in heaven. But aren't you thankful that God did not give you what you deserved, but his grace intervened. His grace intervened. His mercy made a way when there was no way. See, people, Scripture says, because judgment is not expedient, that the intents and the hearts of man are continually set to do evil. In the New Testament dispensation that we live in, God did not change his mind regarding the judgment of sin. You want to know how God feels? Go read the first five books of the New Testament. It tells you what God likes, and it tells you what he doesn't like. And it did not change because we stepped into a new covenant. God still feels the same way. But the thing holding off the judgment of God, here's your sin. Here's God's judgment right here. The thing holding it off is the mercy of God. Because the Bible says there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And it says if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so in this dispensation, when you mess up and you go to God, you see Jesus going, hold up, God. Hold up just a minute. I think they're turning around. I think they're making a different turn. I think they're going to go a different way. But when it's time. 
that mercy steps back. And judgment meets sin. Right now we have opportunity to come to an altar and confess our faults and to ask God for forgiveness and to repent of our sins. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we come with an honest and an open spirit before the Lord. But the day will come when that mediator steps back and our sin meets judgment but the beauty is right now there's still opportunity right now there's still a mediator right now there's still a name that you can call on and that name can cover those sins and that name can turn your situation hey if you're here today and you've never experienced the repentance of your sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost friend it's for whosoever will if you walked in here today without it you can leave here full of the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands unto the Lord right now. All throughout Scripture, you'll find people with flaws. Let's talk about Moses called by God out of a burning bush. Forty years in the wilderness tending the flock. He became proficient in the use of a staff. Yet God was going to use that thing that defined him to teach him one of his greatest lessons. See, all Moses could see was his insufficiencies, his problems. I can't do it, God. Anybody ever felt like I can't do it? Can't do it. I can't can't measure up, God. Because we think that we have to be perfect. Let me tell you, perfection is a destination. That's called heaven. As long as you're on this earth, you're going through the process called perfecting. That's why the Bible says he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Because we're in the process. Touch your neighbor and say, you're in the process. But look at him and say, you ain't perfect. Nobody is perfect. That's what we're aiming for, is that land where mortality puts on immortality. But as long as we're on this earth, we're going to be like Moses and saying, God, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Anybody ever felt like God wants you to pray for somebody and you gave a thousand reasons why you couldn't? I mean, before, it's funny God would call me to preach because growing up in church, if they called me on me to testify, I couldn't even tell you my name. I was just like, huh? Where am I at? Deer in the headlights. And you know, if I called you right now, you'd do the same thing. Moses is pointing out all of his flaws. You get to that Red Sea, and here he is, and what does he have? He's got a staff in his hand. What is a staff? It's a crooked stick. 
And God says, I'm going to take that crooked stick, Moses. That's going to represent a crooked life. That's going to represent somebody with flaws. That's going to represent somebody who doesn't have it all together. And that thing has defined you for so long. But Moses, just lift it up because I'm going to use that crooked stick to put a straight line through your impossibility. And I'm going to show you that a crooked stick can draw a straight line any time it's in the hand of God. Moses, I'm using this to show you that you may be a crooked stick. You may have flaws. You may have problems. But I can do a work through you. Clap your hands right now. A walk through Hebrews 11 will give us a list of just a few. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, Peter, Paul, all of which God fully understood the frailty of those people. He recognizes that the limbs upon which his fruit is produced are nothing more than sticks. Crooked sticks at best. Furthermore, the only way that we can, he can accomplish his perfect will is to use those crooked sticks. This much I know. A crooked stick can draw a straight line because it's not in the shape of the stick. It's not in the color of the stick. It's not in the condition of the stick. It's not in the beauty of the stick. But that straight line is made possible because of who is holding the stick. Which tells me today that it doesn't matter how you came in here. It doesn't matter what shape you're in. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. If God can hold the stick, then he can do a perfect work through you. You got to believe it with me. I want you to clap your hands right now. I've come to preach to you today that God wants to use you to accomplish his perfect work. Touch your neighbor and say God wants to use you. Consider what the writer said. All right, let's think about this. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight? Which God hath made crooked. First thing I want to tell you this morning is that you can't make your life straight by yourself. We got way too many people trying to fix their problems by themselves. We got more books than we've ever had and more problems than the world's ever known. Because your answer isn't in a book. And your answer isn't in a bottle. Your answer is in a Bible. You don't fix your problems and then come to God. You come to God and he helps fix your problems. I'm talking to people that's got a crooked past. People that's got problems starting right here. 
we've all, we all know what it's like to look over our shoulder at our past and see this right here. All the twists and the turns and the things in our life. And we look back and we go, if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have said that, if I wouldn't have got married to that person, if I wouldn't have made this decision, if I, oh, if I could only go back and make it straight, I would do it. But who can make straight with God hath made crooked? Did God make your problems? No, but he allowed you to live it. And so here's what we battle with when we come to God. We come to God and we feel the freshness of his spirit and we feel the forgiveness of our sins. But when we look over our shoulder, we don't see a straight stick. We see a crooked stick. We still see our flaws. We still see our problems. We still see everything that we've done wrong. Now God's forgiven it, but we're judging ourselves by what the stick looks like. And we're going, God, how can I do anything for you when I've messed up so much, when I've done so much bad and so much wrong? Why can't you erase it and make it a straight stick? I'll tell you why. Because if God were to make from. So he says, I'm going to leave the stick crooked. And we're not going to focus on where you've been. We're going to focus on where you're going. We're going to focus on the grace that I gave you for the journey. Hey, some of you need to look back from where you've been and say, thank you, Jesus, for where you brought me from. Thank you for not giving up on me. Lift your hands right now. I feel a touch of the Holy Ghost starting to move for this place. I want you to begin to pray with me right now because there's some people going to come to an altar here in just a few minutes that you gave up on yourself long before God ever, ever, ever started trying to deal with you. It's time to say, God, I'm going to go to that altar today and it doesn't matter what I walk through. I'm walking out of here in the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Grab somebody by the hand right next to you. Begin to pray with them right now. I feel a divine pause in the Holy Ghost. I want you to begin to pray with them. There's some people God's going to fill with the Holy Ghost this morning. But there's going to be some people that you've been struggling because of all of your flaws. But you're going to walk out of here today knowing that God's going to use you. God's going to use you. God's going to use you. Stand with me right now. Stand with me right now.
I want you to listen to me. We're not going to kill anything. I want you to listen to me. The church of the living God cannot be a pastor-centered church. Now, we've got to have a pastor out front to lead. But there's been far too much relying on the pastor to do everything. When God never said it's the pastor's responsibility to do it all. You've got the Holy Ghost. If you don't, you can leave here with it today. You've got the same power that he's got. You've got that same authority in the spirit to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, uh, to, to do all of the exploits that Christ did. It's you that has that power. We cannot blame anything on God, and we cannot blame anything on our pastor. When God's looking at you, he's saying, I want to use you. You're a crooked stick. I know it. I, God's looking at you going, I see all that. All these excuses you're giving me, Moses, I know it. And every excuse you try to give God, God's looking at you going, next, next, I know it. I know it. But I still want to use you. But I still want to use you. He just needs people this morning. He needs people that will say, God, I know I've got flaws. I know I've got problems. I know I've made more mistakes than I could ever remember. But if you can use anything, use me. Use me. Satanaba, Satanaba. Sis, come see. I want to pray with you just for a second. We're fixing to move to this altar. I've watched this all service, and I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me. When I saw you singing, this is just how God talks to me. I saw you setting a big old table full of food. It just, it was so much food, you kept filling the table. Every time you went to prayer, you kept filling the table. You kept filling the table in your prayers. And the Lord spoke this phrase to me. He said, they left full, but they're coming back empty. And don't lose heart, because there's people. I see weary travelers fixing to open a door, and they're going to come, and they're going to want a table that's spread full of food. And don't lose heart. Everything that you've been doing, it's not in vain, because there's people that walked out of the church that left full but God said they're coming back empty and there's going to be a table for them that you have spread to your prayers if you're ready to be used by God I want you to step out of that pew right now come to this altar and say God I don't care about anybody else right now it's me and you Come on, I'm, I'm talking to people that God needs to, to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to people that God wants to turn your situation around. When you get to this altar, throw those hands in the air and start saying, God, use me. God, use me. Come on, greater life, as they begin to sing. Come on, make your way to this altar. Make your way to this. I'm coming, God. I'm coming, God. Use me how you want to use me this morning. Use me how you want to use me this morning. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. Ministering brethren, help me pray for some people.
It's got nothing to do with you if you can make yourself available. Every dark addiction starts Come on, reach out to God right now. 